At Sojourn, we believe women should not travel alone. We connect with each other through our stories, letting us know we're not alone in our feelings or our circumstances. Join us each week as we explore our faith through a story, scripture, and a few thoughts. This is Deanna Gosha with episode 38 of the Sojourn Podcast. I'll be telling stories this series from the hot summer months and exploring some thoughts that might help us think about our faith and practical ways it plays out in our lives. There were four of us that day, a hot summer day, in Tennessee, hanging out at a home with only a window air conditioner to try to stay cool. One of us was 17, so she seemed quite mature to us 14-year-olds. They were all cousins who lived in the area year-round. I was the city girl turned country girl on weekends and summers. I really wanted to be a country girl. I hauled hay, picking up the bales and swinging them into place to the praise of those assisting my dad, young men whose approval I was soaking up. Those days out in the hayfield were hot and buggy, humid, and hard work, but I loved it. Mostly because I'm an Enneagram 3 and excelling in a new skill is what we love to do. But I struggled with a lot of other things that being a country girl entailed. I wasn't fond of animals. The goat my dad got me to take care of was the bane of my existence. Could I count how many times she got out and I had to chase her down? I'd have to push and pull her back into the pen, and she was stubborn. My family thought it was funny how I had to handle her. I did not. I also did not think the photos they tried to take of me doing that funny either. Riding a horse scared me. I was sure it would end badly. Cows were okay as long as they stayed on the other side of the pasture. The bull I was terrified of. I will say that cows paid my college tuition. When it was due, Dad sold a cow or two, so there was that. I did love taking long strolls down the country road, lined with trees and a creek gurgling beside it. It felt peaceful and calm, and that's where I really learned to pray in a personal, conversational way. I also dreamed a lot on those walks. I think it would be safe to say that being a country girl was more a dream in my heart than a reality in my actions. Which brings us back to the four bored teenage girls on a hot, humid Sunday afternoon. The oldest one, Joan, said, let's go swimming. I piped in, will you drive us to the KOA? The KOA was a campground 20 minutes away that had a swimming pool. For a couple dollars, they let outsiders swim in it. It was our go-to in our small youth group. No, we'll go down to the creek. The creek? Um, not so sure about that. There was the local swim hole. That's where our church did the baptizing. I'd been there once to swim. My friend and I had jumped on the back of two brothers' mini bikes, and we'd zoom through the dirt and gravel roads to the swim hole. It was murky and scary, and I swam only because I didn't want to be made fun of. Hence, my hesitation at the creek swimming idea. 
Joan grabbed four towels from the bathroom and led the way. Apparently, we were going to swim in our clothes. At least I hoped that was the plan. Skinny Skinny dipping was not in my repertoire of things I wanted to do at 14, in the broad daylight, in a field, in the pardon holler of Tennessee. Climbing over the barbed wire fence, we trudged across the pasture, dodging rocks and fresh cow patties. Bugs were swarming around us. The hot sun beat down on our faces and sweat ran in long lines on our bodies. Finally, we reached the shady edge of the creek. Everyone threw their towels down and jumped in. Everyone but me. I looked into the water. You couldn't see a thing. It was brown and dirty and murky, and who knew what dwelt in the depths of that water? Are you coming in or not, city slicker? It was at this point that my fear of creepy things under the water became less than my fear of being made fun of. So I waded in and splashed about. I did my best to not think about where I was or what I was doing or how badly this could end. The creek was cold. It felt good on our hot skin. I was just starting to relax and have fun. Maybe I was being overdramatic. Maybe swimming in the creek was okay after all. When suddenly Joan yelled, Snake! We all turned and headed. Right for us was a snake swimming with his little tongue slipping back and forth in his mouth. We all screamed and frantically swam for the side, slipping and falling as we tried to scramble up the dirt creek bank. No one looked back. We just ran for it back over the pasture and over the barbed wire and into the safety of the hot house. If you listen to the podcast week one of this series, you'll remember I hate snakes. This is one of the many reasons why I've had way too many encounters with them. And this is why I am decidedly a city girl, not a country girl. When I think about that murky creek that kept all the things hidden beneath the waters, it makes me think about blind spots. Blind spots. You know the character faults that other people see in you, but you don't see? Or even the sin we don't see. I remember once on a camping trip, a friend's husband was explaining a purchase to me. I thought it was ridiculous, as in... I knew that what he said he bought did not cost what he said he paid for it. I was nodding and smiling, but apparently my face was actually saying something like, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard, or how in the world do you think I would believe that? Later, my friend pulled me aside and lit into me. How dare I treat her husband like that? Um... I didn't do anything, but here's the thing. She saw exactly what was going on in my head and in my heart. It was written all over my smug face. It was an incredible blind spot. I thought I hid my real feelings. The thing is, 
when you feel that superior and smug, it's going to come out. Kind of like that snake surfacing from the murky creek water. It was there all the time. We just didn't know. I still remember that moment when my friend revealed the blind spot. I remember the pain of it, the embarrassment, and the way I tried to tell her she was wrong, how I tried to brush it away. But the truth stuck with me. The problem was less what was on my face and more what was in my heart. I was blind to the smugness and pride that resided in my heart. But once I saw it, or rather others saw it and pointed it out, I had a choice. Would I ignore it, brush it aside, or humble myself, admit my wrong attitude, and ask Jesus to replace it with love and respect and honor? King David was certainly guilty of having blind spots, major ones that would have thrown him in jail today like using his superior kingship to sleep with a woman. We would call that sexual abuse or even rape today. And sending her husband to the front lines of battle so he would not come home alive. We would call it murder. Yet he failed to see what he had done. The prophet Nathan was pretty good at pointing the sin out to him. David was known as a man after God's own heart, Not because he always did the right thing, but rather he repented of his sin. And when his blind spots were revealed, he took responsibility and grieved them and changed. Psalms 139 verses 23 through 24. He wrote these words. Search me, O God and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Those words, search me, O God, and know my heart. Perhaps that's one way we can start discovering our blind spots, to ask God to reveal them to us. He might do that while we are praying, bringing something to our mind, or it might be from a friend or employer, spouse or child. The key is to being open to what we might not see in ourselves. Instead of living in the murky water, waiting for a snake to appear, maybe we could ask for guidance to clear those waters so we can see what lies underneath, to see what resides in our hearts. Thank you for joining the Sojourn podcast today. We hope you see you next week as we explore another story from summer and see what links we can make to our faith.